This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in film, focusing on David Lowry's enchanting, albeit polarizing piece, The Green Knight. Of course, to hash this out, I am once again joined by one of our favorite executive contributors, the one, the only, the only knight you need at your round table, Sir Theodore Buck. Welcome, Buck. Thank you. Novo, you have to bleep that one out. I'm going to bleep that out in post. Bleep it in post. Can't have a podcast without a little bit of technical difficulty. (laughs) We've been having that all night, actually. Yeah. So uh, we're going to kick this off a little differently, as you well know. Instead of the traditional thesis statement or relevance to art, we're going to talk about the relevance through first impressions. Mm. I'm going to give you the floor first, Mr. Buck. Sir oh, Buck, excuse okay. me. I don't want to be beheaded. Oh. What did you, you think of the piece? Uh, what did I think? Where to begin? Uh, let me put my artistic hat on here. Um, I hated it. I didn't think it was good at all. <laughs> Fuck. Well, you no. you agree no. with most audiences then. <laughs> no, I actually absolutely loved it, actually. I yep. thought it was fantastic. I wish we had more things like this. Okay, but why? We can't ever have nice I'm gonna be, things. I'm going to be an interviewer. Stupid. Why? Why was that your first impression? My first impression, I loved it. Just, just the oh, this, the cinematography for one thing. Let's oh oh yeah. Let's We're put that on that. There. Yeah, it put, felt put a pin te- in that. It felt like the screen was textured. Textured. Mm. It felt Ooh, like a good you way to touch put it. things. It felt like things were coming at you. It felt like you know gritty it felt bold if it, it was beautiful uh the way it was shot um i have actually avoided any um for this discussion i have avoided any reviews so i don't know if people are hating it but i, I saw a loved couple it. well and that's where I, wa- I wanted to talk and that's actually good that i did a little research and you completely stayed in the dark because yeah. because it was very polarizing most people hated this movie with a fiery passion. And you know me, you know Novo. I'm good at taking about putting myself in both the shoes of the art house fan, which we usually are, you mm, know, yeah, and the uh, guy or gal that thinks this is a piece of shit. So uh, I'm interested in hearing why they think it's a piece of shit. I have an idea. I have an idea. Why. Well, let me we will get there. We will get there okay. in the discussion section. But I would like to guess. I, uh well before well i'm gonna give you my first impression and before, well, yes give me your first impression and before, then before you say anything else i'm gonna interrupt you again no i'm joking <laughs> before i give you my first impression i do want to hear your um you know improvisational thesis about the why it, why is it important to art and the art community well i okay so why i think it's important to art is because okay this is not an original piece because it is based off of a poem yeah so 
but it is i would say a story original that's been interpretation. around since the 14th century actually 14th century um we don't even know who wrote it i think there's anonymous. only one copy in existence we do know it's no I'm kidding it was anonymous yeah. it was anonymous he called himself it was a state yeah. thing yeah so um we only know of one copy of it but but basically, we've never seen a film adaptation of it. I think there was maybe a cartoon or a TV show. There the was, uh, like from that. my research, there was a film version of there this. Was I think a black film and version. black and white. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little, it's oh. a little underground. Boomer, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, but, but a contemporary struck out clearly. that one. Sorry about that. But <laughs> anyway, back to track. Um, no, I, I think this is really important because this this was definitely creativity, pure creativity and artist yeah. creation. Um, it even deviated a little bit from the story, um, but yep. in a really um, tasteful way. I think it, it added way. to the story a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I think he took the material and he, he took his artistic liberties. There was an ambiguous ending in the, the original poem. It had a more definitive ending. Yeah, we'll it was about more of later. a moral tale. It was yes. You, which, you need to be honorable, and you need to follow through. Which brings me to promises. my first impression. Uh, I thought it was incredibly artistic. I can understand why people, you know, just the average Joes and Janes of the world didn't like it. It is. It is. It's a slow burn. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. But it's this is this is kind of my bar for incredibly artistic pieces. Does it leave an impression? And I could not fucking stop thinking about this piece yep. after i watched it because the the ending is ambiguous you as the viewer get to decide on what happens and we'll talk about that in the conclusion section but it was yes to me it was a folklore a myth a fairy tale a fantastical journey to teach a lesson and that's important and we we don't see as many of those any anymore and yeah. uh, to me it was a self-contemplation piece the art of know thyself you know socrates mm -hmm. figuring out who you are and more importantly who you want to be in life and there's nothing more i mean every great story has a clear indication of some sort of humanity some sort of human condition of it's either telling us about how we should interact with others and friendship, uh, love, romance, love, loss. You know, there's so many different things you can talk about with the human condition. And this is it, probably one of the more important ones because it's about identity. Yeah, it's 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 deep on many different levels. Um, just like you said, identity really. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good way of putting it is know thyself. It's, Thank you. It's, well, that's Socrates. I, I yeah, can't, I can't but, say I mean, that. That still, was a no-no I mean, one. But know but thyself. Really, I'm going to use the pronunciation I've always heard. Gawain. Uh, they said Gawain, I believe, in the film. I, I say Gawain a little bit. Gawain. Little Maybe it was Gawain. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard Gawain, Gawain. I think there's like three different pronunciations. It doesn't matter. Doesn't um, matter. I did it right there. It doesn't matter. He's not a, tomato, he's not a likable character in the film. Not at um, all. And that's what I like about it. In in, in another There's an anti-hero element interpretations of gowan um gawain gowan gawain you know he's been, purely, he's been wanna... purely evil actually um um and excalibur he was that is excalibur i'm so glad you brought that up okay yeah. before i feel like we're we're diving a little bit into the discussion discussion section and that's fine but before we do that of course you know what the people need t-buck they need a little background so the green knight was released on july 30th 2021 it follows the story of gaywin gaywin gawain whatever you want to call him gerald <laughs> gerald Ger it, it, it was played by dave patel and this is the nephew of king arthur of the one and only camelot now this isn't explicitly stated in the film you have to do your homework to understand i that love this how is they did this too yeah this is part of the mythos that is Camelot and King Arthur, hence T Buck's reference to Excalibur, which is which follows King Arthur on his quest. But this is a quest of Gawain finding himself, as I put it. So a quest of honor in a way, after he beheads the mystical creature that is the Green Knight. And as we've already said, this story is based on a 14th century poem of a similar name. And it also stars 
Alicia Van Kander, Joel Edgerton, Sarita Chad Hurry, Sean Harris, and Ralph Innocent in supporting roles. It was written, directed, edited, and produced by Mr. David Lowry. His, uh, just to talk about David Lowry's filmography for just a second, it's very eclectic. He's done everything from, obviously, this, more of an out, art house piece, to like a child, like a kid's movie, like, you know, something for just like children and the family and everything in between. He came onto my radar and feel free to chime in, Buck. I'm not sure when he came in onto your radar, but he came onto my radar with a ghost story, which I thought was a brilliant spin on a traditional story. Yeah. I consider him one of the, I still calling him a newcomer, you know, in his like, you know, class, if you will, of filmmakers. He's been around for fucking 10 years, so he's not really a newcomer Meet per Pete's se. Dragon. Yeah, that's the kid's movie, actually, I was referring to. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's, I mean, he's really made a splash, definitely more on the artistic side of his films, where people are really starting to take notice. And I think give him, you know, a few more movies, I feel like he's going to be a household name before you and me fucking know it. Now, the other guys that I would, I would uh, put into this camp that I think, will probably eventually get maybe their own episodes or we'll talk about a movie or something one day is Robert Eggers. Now, Robert Eggers is the guy behind The Witch and The Lighthouse. I fucking love his work. Yep. Very artistic. And Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos? I apologize if I'm butchering that, but this is The Killing of a Sacred Deer. This is that guy or The Lobster. So um, quick little... Quick little uh, tangent little story on the lobster so my mom has always been a huge influence on me in terms of my artistic love for specifically film since i was a little boy we have always bonded that way we've gone to every movie you can think of like the big blockbusters to a lot the little art houses and that was the first time i got into this guy was me and my mom went to see the lobster together not really knowing what it was about and uh walking out just kind of like what the fuck was that i mean well, i didn't say that's my mom but uh another one to really keep an eye on and is in this camp with david lowry so that brings us to the movie itself we can't really go anywhere without talking about the plot very polarizing and this is where i'm not gonna i'm not even sure if you saw the outline book but i actually put the rotten tomato film scores on here just to oh. show the fucking divide now me, don't don't look, look at it i don't want you to look at it oh, okay wanna, okay, okay. okay right. yeah i want to talk about it okay yeah so uh I, 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 I have a theory okay yeah let's go round circle back to what you wanted to talk about which is why this movie was polarizing why so what's your theory I, my theory is all the the uh mouth breathing um <laughs> audiences that just want to see explosions and thought this was going to be a game of thrones that's exactly went into it yeah. thinking exactly that oh yeah it's going to be a medieval warrior fight you, you can you wave i was going i was trying to wave at her but she just walked right by <laughs> my wife walked right by, walked um, right by the, the camera but here's the deal i All think right, there's so i think talk there's two us. camps of people that don't like it one or the okay. people that that wanted to see some Games of Thrones shit, which sure, okay, sure, but really, do your research. And then two, I think there are some people that are upset <laughs> the way the story ended up because ah. a they and there's two parts to this one actually, and I'm not cheating. It's just there's two subheadings. One is they're coming from the Excalibur camp, and yeah. they think Gawain 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 is Liam Neeson. <laughs> Two, okay, they don't like the way that Lowry changed the story overall. It's a piggyback that, off theory. of no, that's that's very that those are very valid theories. I would say that you are more correct on the former than the latter. So mm -hmm. my theory is much in tune with the fact that I I would take it a deep uh, just a level further because I feel like audiences have gone through what I call. Um, the dumbing of America. I, I would. I'm gonna give it a little more of a sophisticated title. I would call it attention span erosion. And, and people, I'm I'm joking. Don't nope, get nope. mad. Nope. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Just kidding. No. But I, I I yeah I totally agree with Novo. I think our attention spans are really limited. Well, and we have to see flashing lights. What are what is explosions. you know follow the money right? What yeah. What are um 
you know, studios like Disney and stuff putting in the theaters, they want to, they want blockbusters, right? They yeah. want Marvel movies that don't get me wrong. We've talked, me and Buck have talked about this. We like, we like Marvel. We movies. like them. You know, we don't have anything against. We don't like Transformer movies. That's yeah. That's we have nothing against the blockbusters. That's just a bunch of eye candy. But when you get so fucking used to that, your patience goes out the fucking window because this movie. Again, art house film. You need patience. You're not. It's not going to be explosions. And you, this you is the, the thing about trailers. In, yeah, they oh, make the you think yeah. it's going to be the Game of Thrones and Buck's example. It's going to be this this amazing quest of of yeah visual delight and eye candy with all these monsters and characters and all this stuff. And Giants. there is a lot of that. And we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But. It is a slow burn. It is mm-hmm. meant to make you think about yourself and then not necessarily be utterly enter- entertained every five seconds with just this, you know, dopamine hit or endorphin hit from your brain yeah. that these other movies are doing. So I'm going to give you the scores. Rotten Tomatoes. So people like me and you. Rotten Tomato mm-hmm. film critic scores. Can I guess first? You, okay. Yeah, go. 92. Close. Close. You're a little cold. Lower or higher? Lower. No, really? Yeah. Well, when I did the review, or when I did the outline, it was this. It may have changed. It was eighty-eight, so it's still high. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. So it was. Up. It was certified fresh. This seemed like a critic's like wet dream. Wet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was. And it was for a lot of people. And I think even for critics, though, there is attention span erosion, yeah. and they don't want to spend Give over us two a hours. Summer blockbusters. <laughs> they're british too if you didn't know that okay well, what's your because guess on- all the evil people in star wars realm are, are british, british so yeah. yeah okay i'll give you that so what's that's your uh, guess on the audience score mr Buck? oh i bet the audience score is like 40 something yep yep it's almost it's almost half it's 49 yeah. percent people fucking well what's fun is when i do my homework for this especially what's fun is we can when we can me and buck and hash it out and he doesn't really quite know how much homework i've done people fucking when i actually read the comments oh they butchered it man they hated it uh, yeah this just is the general audience nice pe- kind of people yeah. but then you when you read the when you read read the critics reviews you know it was mesmerizing and enchanting and all this shit and it was it really was i I, so i can i can kind of see both sides but i i take it as you need to see it again and you need to have patience i liken it to music that's ahead of its time of course you're not gonna like it on first go we talk about this all the time right and some of our music reviews you gotta give it time you gotta be patient with the artistic pieces well, and, it, and, and when you say attention span, this reminds me of a particular person that I had a relationship with um, who was younger will, than me. And will remain nameless. Remain, yeah. I, uh, we very, know. very nice person. I know who she, he's talking about. But, but you know, her and her friends, I noticed this one thing when we would watch movies. Half the time throughout a movie, didn't matter what movie it was, could be their, could be their favorite movie of all time. Half okay. the time they're on their phone and they're just yeah. like looking up every few seconds, looking and then they're back down and then they're like, <laughs> this is why I, but that's one thing yes. you, you have to pay attention to it. You have to, that's why takes I energy. think we should never get rid of the movie theater because it forces you to buy into this experience because when you just rent these at home, which we did <laughs> because yeah. of time constraints. Uh, yeah, sometimes you 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 feel compelled to to drift, and you and you shouldn't. Yeah, now, there's other distractions going on. Exactly. Now let's talk about the plot, and we're not going to go through the whole goddamn movie. There, of course, will be spoilers. If you didn't see that coming, then uh, what are you doing here? That stop. And for the people that don't care or do care, tough titties. We're, we're going to talk about it anyways. Yeah, get over yourself. So the five tests. You have to do a little homework to know that when he goes on his journey after he beheads the Green Knight, he he does five tests. And that's friendship, generosity, chastity, chastity courtesy, and piety. And uh, we see these in a lot of different ways. Uh, the first one is generosity, where he sees the scavenger and he's, you know, he asks for a little bit of money. He doesn't give him a lot. And then he fucking robs him. Um, and this is the same guy from uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I've seen this guy in a lot of arts films, the guy that plays a scavenger. And he's always he's always really good at playing these really oddball characters. And he does great here. And this is the first time I feel like the cinematography. So when we get into the woods, right? 
Um, and we're seeing these amazing colors. And as, as T-Buck put it very eloquently that I didn't even think about texture, like fucking, Mm -hmm. you could like feel the woods, like you could reach out and, and taste them, feel them, smell them. All, all of the senses were there. Right. And we're starting to see some surrealism in the piece. And that's what I really liked about it as, as anybody that knows me well, I am absolutely obsessed, obsessed with surrealism. I kind of want to hash, do a little hashing of when he's tied up and he sees him, either he sees himself as the skeleton and he has to get out or it is actually happening because there's magic, magical elements in the story. I think it's a, um, yeah, I think it's a projection of what he, he fears is going to happen to him. That's what I think. Um, however, and we can, we'll get to this later. I think there's a lot of clues and a lot of things throughout the film that make you question what's really happening and what's real or not. Oh yeah, when he eats this fucking magic mushroom. When he so eats the magic mushroom, <laughs> he seeds his hand. Fucking uh, trip, man. So my question to that question or to that point is: Are the giants real? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because I have the heart of a child, and I want. I, yes, I, I want to say that they were real. Yeah. That he wasn't hallucinating. I they were. I was thinking about it because I was, you know, you know, people are like dogging on this because it's a slow burn to me that was one of the coolest moments of the movie um were the giants itself were the giants yeah like and that 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 gives me that was like a little kid moment a little bit throughout the whole thing is when he sees him but i love as it was a test he asked them could you give me a ride across the valley like he's trying to you know and this goes back to him Yeah. yeah this goes back to this this consistent almost beating you over the head that this is not a good guy. He has no honor. So he has no I mean, honor. He, and he's, and he keeps failing the tests yeah. over and over again. Again, I don't want to go through all of the, the, the plot beats. Uh, but I believe but, in the poem, he, he actually passes all the tests as he goes along. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't actually read the poem. I just kind of read the cliff notes. Cause uh, we don't have, the time to do that sorry guys oh well read, you know what you're have we to might as well wrap this show there. up <laughs> people are gonna get mad it. at us well it's not um, like somebody's really busy right now well like, i have good news we don't have to wrap it up because there's other things we want to talk about okay, and my right. favorite part so your favorite part was i, I, I thought like the giants that. part was cool um mine was a little bit of a deeper cut i really like the use of dialogue i like how it was written like the uh the monologues and there was a touch of contemporary uh use of language that brought in a lot of humor i thought throughout the piece and of course there's old english like excalibur i think is a perfect example and i'm glad you brought that up because they're they use more of the traditional old english where i feel like there's a lot of writers now that do what I call new old English. And this was the new yeah, old I think English. I it almost sounds more like Shakespearean English. Um, sure. Kind of pronunciation and, and thou, you know, the, you know, words that, you know, that considered modern English, but are, you know, not in know. fashion. <laughs> yeah. Ye. And, bes- and, you know, the words like besides us, like that was one thing where, where Arthur asked Gawain, the, come sit with him he says come sits besides us so you know a lot of the um kind talking of old... about we talk we talk to each other all the time like that yeah but i mean you, you adding <laughs> you adding s's random s's and some consonants you know sprinkled here and there that you just don't see a lot but more common english of an older gener you know generation so um yeah i do like how they they definitely mixed that in but it wasn't like hitting you over the top of the head of like I would say Excalibur does it a little bit more. Excalibur to me is more like the Shakespearean Renaissance. Yeah. It, and a lot of the of. plot beats were on the nose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was a talk about a, a really long piece too. I remember seeing Excalibur like in high school or in middle school with my brother. My brother has always been a big inspiration to me because he's always, he's always been the, the giver of the new things, yeah. you know, or like the artistic things that I, I missed, you know, but if I was, before my time or or what have you like dune for example he, he yeah. came to my life 
And I did a little bit that for that for him. I did that with like American Psycho and stuff like that and Deftones in the music world. But anyways, he uh, did that for me in Excalibur. Don't want to get too off topic. And we're seeing a lot of overlap with characters. Mm-hmm. And before I segue into characters, um, I will segue with the only character or the only actress that played two characters, which was Alicia Van Kander. She played Essel, the peasant girl. That was mm-hmm. his original love interest. And then the lady of the lady and the Lord played by Joel Edgerton. And that fucking monologue by the lady when they're oh, describing the... why the green knight is green, green. was Between... just, was a killer. Like yeah, she that fucking was... <laughs> killed it. Like that, that, that hit me. That hit me at my soul, at my yeah, core, that's, man. Yeah, that's a line where Tarantino's sitting in his, like, private theater right now. Just <laughs> going, oh, God, yeah. I really, oh, man, that's, uh, yeah. He's doing his Tarantino He's doing that again. It's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, but no, that, I, that, that that is a dialogue lover, you know, that's a masterpiece of writing right there. And you tell that, that they spent a lot of time really focusing on that scene because it was one of the pivotal kind of, pieces of dialogue oh my god the the yeah we just got hit over the head right nailed so let's talk about the characters in a little more detail so it was very streamlined right of course we have gaywin we have essel as i said the peasant girl the lady the lord and that was literally the character names lady lord mother king king arthur queen the green knight of course scavenger winifred gaywin's queen later in his uh vision of the future and the magician and this is where he made it yeah this is where he made it very distinguishable from traditional king arthur you know mythos and lord like he didn't even want to say merlin he didn't want to say king arthur it was just the king and so you had to do your homework to really find these things yeah if you didn't know really the arthurian legend or anything and just were coming into this like you know without a lot of knowledge you probably wouldn't even know who he was like he just kind of looked like a different knight. Well, he, he was the some, guy with, yeah, the, yeah I'm going to blow some, yeah, he, some brains right now. The guy with the face tattoos over his cheeks. What? He, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's guy. a T-buck. Brain exploded. Brain just exploded like in scanners. Um, <laughs> so we, we did the, the Holy Trinity, uh, no pun intended, of yeah, a film has to include, which is plot, dialogue, and characters. And now we get to talk about the real artistic shit. Uh, mm-hmm. We already talked about cinematography a little bit, but um, I know Buck had a lot to say about the cinematography. So I'm going to give him the floor first, and then I'm going to nerd out a little myself. Go ahead, Buck. Yeah, so continuing with the cinematography, like I said, it's textured. Uh, The use of colors as well to explain a lot of things and give mood and feeling um, was exquisite. Um, I'm going to interview you again. Why did the, when he jumped into the water to get Winifred's Winifred's skull, Mm -hmm. there was a flash of, you know, it was like, you know, blue, green kind of watercolor and then a heavy red. Why? What were they trying to say to that? Well, it, it could be interpreted as a couple different things. One is obviously death or, you know, murder, blood, you know, kind of some sort of ominous thing that had happened to because a horrific thing happened to her. She was uh, beheaded mm-hmm. by a man who wanted to lay with her. There are also her tonal, you know, her ha- hair was also of red color. Um, could uh, could also be kind of... May I give you an olive branch? There was, I feel like... It wasn't necessarily, you know, red is often used to portray, yeah, passion and and pain Lust, and all this death, stuff or death. Yeah. But I feel like when it hit me and when it hit in that moment, it was like an aha. I found the skull. Like that's when yeah. he saw it, right? Yeah. And then he, and then he. That's probably like the nicest thing he did. Really, the whole movie was get her skull. <laughs> Yeah. And then put it and then connected with her body in the bed. Well, but he, he and then he got his axe back. But he failed so, it at first because he he asked her, what will you do for me? What would you what is it? What's in it for me? And yeah. that was the whole point of that is. And she was like, bitch, I'm like, why <laughs> bitch, the hell please. would you ask me that? Yeah, bitch. I need my head. <laughs> Yo, I got <laughs> to stop being a dick. Go just swim down in this little. I don't want to like, be a ghost. I don't want to be a ghost no I more. Be I just want to send. I want to. I want to like. Yeah, I want to fly off. I want to take the rainbow bridge. I want to walk through the cornfield. 
So yeah, that was the biggest thing to me. The biggest like, okay, uh, because there would be heavy hues of color. Like it would just be yeah. that's that saturation of blues and greens, a lot of earths, and then red. Like red just yeah. came out. Of, that was like the only time in I think the whole movie that it was this heavy hit of red while he was in the water. Yeah, and I and think I the other that was time a fascinating where, choice. Yeah, I think the other time that really hit me was before he actually went and met with the Green Knight. Finally, um, it's a scene with the fox, and the fox talks to him. But if you notice, it's a uh, very autumn-looking, mm-hmm. uh, golden leaves, fall, orange leaves. Yeah. It's kind of that fall, autumn kind of feeling. And what that kind of hit me was that he was ending, nearing the end of his journey or life, kind of at that. And that was what it was, basically. Uh, how I interpreted it. And that was kind of why that palette was chosen there. And he was even given the out of, you know, if you don't go, I won't, you know, the Fox telling him, if you don't go, I will not hold you against that. There's been already too much death on this journey. I won't say anything. Now you bring up the Fox. So I feel like we have to talk about the uh, very notable points of symbolism in yeah. the movie and the fox is a huge one uh, the mm-hmm. fox represents friendship yep and of course he betrays the fucking fox he's like get yep. out of here i didn't even want you here. i didn't i didn't ask for this right yeah and a lot of people so in a lot of uh, folklore and things even from like eastern civilizations western civ eastern civ the fox is a spiritual guide and a lot of people yeah. would argue that this was his mother since she was clearly shown in the beginning to be not a witch, but uh, almost like a Merlin type of character, like a female uh, sorceress. Well, uh, because she 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 asked for the Green Knight to come. Well, if we if we uh, if we go back into our history books and and, and please, history fit, fiction, please, please. Um, if if you look at the Arthurian legend, his mother was actually trained by Merlin. Um, it's covered in Excalibur, but also just Morgan Lefray or Faye. Yeah. In, oh, wait, in, are we talking about Arthur's mother or Gaywin's mother? Gaywin's mother. Okay. So uh, who was Arthur's half sister. Right. Okay. Um, is so she is a sorceress. She's a sorceress, but she was trained by Merlin. Okay. Um, and this is not just from Excalibur. This is also part of the legend. So again, this is another thing that you have to kind of know the background story behind it. I think she shows up many times throughout this. Oh yeah, um, she's I the think covered she's the fox. She's the old lady. She's the fox. She's the old lady she's at the house of the lady in the lord's house with the bandage over her eyes. Yeah, and um, I those are the big ones for me. I feel like the, we see the fox so much, and the only other I, this has nothing to do with his mother, but I did make a point to want to talk about it. Do you feel like the giants are symbolic in and of themselves? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think of elaborate. just the, um, the giants. Well, so Arthurian legend, at least the, so the interpretations that I've understood it as, it's always been kind of this um, transition point between the old and the new world, new world being Christian world. Um, mm-hmm. So the pagan and kind of Christian world. I saw this as kind of like the giants as being kind of this relic of the old world passing by. Um, and kind of going off into the mist and going off and, and whether it's dying or finding another place to live, but kind of, to me, the way I interpreted it, because I feel like this is always kind of covered in a lot of this stuff is that transition kind of from the pagan to the Christian world where you see a lot of these, uh, magical entities kind of fade away. I, wow. That was an amazing answer. I, I, I'm very impressed. I, I, this is the beauty of interpretation. I I took them as a very simple mm-hmm. symbol, and that is they are the shortcut. Yeah, and that's why he wanted them so badly. You know, it was feeding into him not wanting to try to be a better person. Which is again, this is the whole point of the journey. In my eyes, you know, correct me if you have a different view, is that he is trying to find honor. And to find Otter, he has to go through these trials and tribulations, but he just keeps failing and failing and failing until we get to the end. But before we get to the end, I do want to talk about some other things that uh, are a little less symbolic, a little more finite. And that is things like uh, wardrobe, set design. Mm. I thought 
there again there was a touch of uh contemporary contemporary you know designs here but yeah. i still felt like it was really well done a lot of tasteful things and it really added to the cinematography and how shots were blocked and framed and things like that because if you, if when i was looking at the budget for this piece it was clear that this was a you know even though it had pretty good special effects there was, was a, only was a few a sets yeah. yeah it was a, it was you know the main the main set was just the layer if you will king arthur's round table uh, place and stuff like that and then everything else was kind of a reworking of the woods things like that i don't want to spend too much time on this i mean I, I think it was really well done for the little that they had you know I, to me you know even though you you, you kind of got the feeling that it yeah it was a lower budget just because you weren't seeing maybe some of the detail or some of the fantastical set pieces but i thought it was done tastefully Sure. Um, when when you see movies like this, like or films like this, a lot, the, what it reminded me of is actually more theater than anything. Absolutely. Um, kind of with those minimalistic sets and things like that, and that's really when, like, God, I loved how it started, the beginning, uh, when you saw the crown falling, uh, coming to his head. Well, it was foreshadowing. Yeah, you know, it was it foreshadowing. Really, in hindsight, it was telling us exactly how things were going to end up. So yeah, I mean, so one thing I, I kind of want to get to is kind of the whole point and going back to his mother, the whole point of his journey, the whole point of his journey. So, so when it, it, depending on the interpretation you take of Arthurian legend um, and what we've seen in more modern times is that uh, Gawain's mother, we know is it's Arthur's sister um, or half sister, depending on what you, what you interpret in the Excalibur route, Excalibur, um, his mother's, bent on a learning magic becoming Merlin and B kind of basically taking Arthur away from the throne. And um, because he in Excalibur, she was furious with Arthur's father um, because he basically used magic to sleep with her mother. Cause he coveted her while her Arthur's uh, half sister, uh, her father was out fighting um, Arthur's father's men and he dies in the in battle um, so this mistaken identity because Arthur's father wanted to sleep with his sister's mother let me uh, I I have a question for you yeah. then Buck in that vein with mm -hmm. her use of magic there was something that obviously was open to interpretation again yeah and something that I couldn't stop thinking about after I watched the movie and I didn't know if there is an overlap or they're mutually exclusive, or what? So we're gonna hash it out here, and that is the magical sash she gives him near yes. the beginning. If you wear this, nothing, no harm will come to you. Right? Right. Now he loses that sash, but when Alicia Van Kander's second character comes up, the lady who's clearly mm -hmm. kind of a witch and a sorcerer herself, she gives him another magical sash. There's a lot of cum in that scene. Oh God! <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, I, was not I couldn't help that. but. I couldn't help but. <laughs> I was like, "Why is there that, Elmer's glue on his hand?" <laughs> I couldn't help but for that to be burned in my memory. I know yeah. we're a highbrow show, but oh my God, there was so much visible cum in that scene that I couldn't like, help but be like, like, "What Peter, the fuck did I just like a see? Peter North load?" Jesus. <laughs> but anyways, the point of the question is. Is this the same sash? It's ectoplasm. <laughs> is this the same sash, or is this a separate, mutually exclusive magical sash? Like, I couldn't figure out why it was written that way. Yeah. As someone that is... likes to put words on a screen myself, why so, was it written that way? I think it was, I think it is the same sash. I, because I think everything, all the trials that were put against him were fabricated by his mother. Yes, and well, in a way, in a way, yeah, and so, and his mother was clearly there in the form of the old lady. Yeah, but so watching so, over him again. So what I was trying to get to is like in other stories we've seen that his mother is basically trying to get her son onto the throne. Hap right, happened in Excalibur, happened in this, very it's much just so. interpreted differently. So it's almost as if we see her basically summoning the Green Knight to come knowing we that do she... we do see that yeah we see that at the beginning if you didn't if that wasn't clear to you audience members out there that saw this and was like why is this guy even here the mother clearly summoned him so she clearly summoned him 
what she's clearly trying to do is she know, knows that in this all happened because he came home basically, you know, drunk, didn't go to church the night before on Christmas Day, um, came home and she, you know, realizes that he lied to her. He said he, she, he was going to mass. You he went to a shit. brothel instead. And, and, you know, story of my life and man. just, you know, ectoplasmed <laughs> everywhere. So um, nice. they so basically she's pissed and she's like, you know, I've had a little with this little shit. I want him to become king. He's going to have to learn some shit. All right. We're going to put him through some trials. <laughs> Maybe he'll grow up. Maybe he won't. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. But this Arthur guy, he's dying. My brother's dying. And I, I mean, <laughs> this piece of shit is this dying. Piece of shit's dying. I, I just need to throw my boy on the throne. So, okay. No, I but feel- like, so she, she, <laughs> she obviously summons a green knight. She knows kind of has the foresight. I don't think she realizes that. I think she f- at first thinks that Gawain is, is going to honorably fight him and then is a little bitch and cuts his head off. And then she's like, oh shit, like he might, he might actually like die. So I think all these trials are set up by his mother, just like when they go to the giants and the fox speaks or howls mm-hmm. to the uh, giants. I think if that's his mother saying, don't listen to him, keep going, you know, <laughs> like it's good to see you again, like, you know, let him do his own thing. Let him learn on his own. I think that the whole purpose of this, she was trying to make him honorable throughout the whole time. That's why the sash is back. That's why he, the axe magically. They, it appears. It yeah. Appears after Winifred, because I think this has all been set up by her. She's putting trials in front of him to become honorable and he keeps failing him. And I, th- I think well put again, he's a uh, oh, bucks on bucks on fire. This episode, I, I think that is a good setup to talk about the ending. So the ending was, so he goes through the trials and tribulations. He, and he meets up with the green Knight on Christmas day, a year after he was destined to do. And he does it. He shows up and I'm going to talk about this in video game language, because again, this is a highbrow show and there's three possible endings to this Mm -hmm. interpretation wise. There's the bad ending where he sees the vision of what he could become as the future yep. king. And he is, uh, he's having a rough day, guys. He's, yeah, he basically <laughs> his sees... His son gets killed. Yeah, he, he is... He becomes king, which is what he wants. He becomes king, but, but at, it goes horribly wrong. Exactly. Or, now, the two possible... In my eyes, the, the other endings are two versions of what could be the good ending. And that is... This is how I see it. So I'm gonna t- I'm gonna start with how I see what the ending is, and how what other people probably see it as, and that is that he does in that moment he has a vision of the future, and everything comes to a head. He finds his honor, and he realizes he has to stay true to his word, and he allows he allows the Green Knight to behead him. So I do think he actually gets beheaded, and he and his. So everything, even though that's no one wants that fucking ending, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. everyone wants a happy ending where he goes off and fucking. But in a way, it, to me, if you've ever read any of my work, it is a happy ending because he got everything he wanted and needed in that one moment. He found his honor, and mm-hmm. though yes, he also found found certain death at that exact same moment. He died an honorable man, the best version of himself he could possibly ever become. Mm. Now, a lot of people think that he did find that, but the Green Knight did not behead him, that he let him learn his lesson, so to speak, not kill him so he could become the version of the king he was always destined to become. I I am on I I I am on the path of that uh so yes, so he 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 obviously he he tries to get out a few times. He sees this future, and then, and then he, he has the vision, right? He has a vision, and then before he gets for the Green Knight swings, takes off the sash because he knows that the sash was he, he's invincible wearing it. And the Green Knight, but it was also him. like a curse. Yeah, it was also a curse. Green Knight says good or says uh, good job, my good knight, or something like that. And, and now, now off, off with you with your with, head. with your head. Okay, I think. I don't think he beheads him. I think if you're looking at the um, the original poem, that doesn't happen. He basically nicks. This isn't the original poem, though. I know, but in the original poem, you know, he bends down. He's getting ready to get beheaded, and 
the Green Knight basically stops and just kind of nicks him on the side of the neck and says, "Because he accepted his fate, and because he his accepted lesson, his fate and learned his lesson, learned his lesson, found found honor bitch. finally, and now he can live on his life, hey, Miles. This best, this better version of himself, right? Yeah. So yeah, I that's the way I interpreted it, but I could also see that that's you know, I see it the other way too because I was like, oh well, maybe he changed it, like." the little thing you said in the off with your head like maybe Lowry changed it to where yeah he he did get beheaded and this is the best his best self he finally became the honorable man he should have always been um so i i, I kind of see it both ways but in 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 the perfect story world in, in the <laughs> poem i'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that yeah i think i think it he, he you want the alternate good ending yeah, I think he, I think he he learns his lesson. It was more of a he joke. Becomes like, king. Yeah, like yeah. A wink. All right, off with your head, silly goose. Yeah. All right, get back out there, you big old little future. Just king, get back you. out there, you little you little <laughs> future king. You, yeah, I'm a you little scamp. I'm gonna mess up your hair. Anyways, so okay, all I'm right, go back into a frozen state. Um, I would love to hear uh, anybody listening to this what you think. Tweet at us, email us. I'm I'm curious to hear your interpretation. Hit me up on Friendster, <laughs> on MySpace, on or, MySpace, uh, my MySpace you, page with that's playing a uh, yellow card. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? Um, I don't know a lot of. I don't think a lot of people know this, but me and Buck are actually creating our own social media platform, mm-hmm. and it's a combination of all of the best social media platforms, and it's called Face Space. Face space, face space, and you guys will absolutely love the advertisements, the addiction. <laughs> you'll love the emo music once you land on my page, and you'll yellow love card. I'll be wearing guy liner, and uh, <laughs> but until that launches, some hot topic stuff. <laughs> ooh, ooh. But until that launches, guys, just tell us what you think about the Green Knight in the meantime, yeah. and we appreciate you listening. And there you have it. From top to bottom, the Green Knight. But before we go, you know, we got a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we like to call the gym of the week. The gym of the week is essentially, if you don't know it already, something we like to talk about in our show here, but it doesn't quite fit into the scheme of the episode. So we leave it for the end. My gym of the week is has literally so there's no rules if you're if you're a first time listener. No, there are no, no. Okay. Mm, there are rules. <laughs> There, there are no rules. There are rules. Novo just likes to break the rules every time. I break. Well, okay. He here's the thing. Steals my when, gems. When we agreed on the gym of the week, we knew that there was going to be something that like just fucking hit our fancy out of nowhere, like the day of or something, and we yeah. wanted to promote it. So mine is a musical one. Has nothing to do okay, with film okay. or a movie, movies or anything like that. And I actually threw it to Buck earlier in the week. And this is uh, a new band. Well, not new, but a band that has definitely got on my radar. Well, why they chose this name, I have no idea. But just listen to the album. It's The band is Dry Cleaning, and the album is New Long Leg. And it is so... Bowie-esque and so post-punk. It's just something you haven't heard before, ever. Um, Mostly because the vocals aren't traditionally... It's very lyrical, but it's not in traditional Western music theory. So this woman is not singing at you, but she's kind of doing that talk singing. She's kind of talking to you, in a way. It's it's a a spoken word. It is and it isn't. You have to listen to it to truly understand it because there's an element of singing involved, but it's not singing in the traditional sense. She's not hitting harmonies or melodies or anything like that. There's a, It's a lot of just kind of almost narrative talk singing. This is something that, my God, on paper shouldn't work, and but in practice, it really works. And I was impressed to be really captivated by this album and listening to it over and over and over again. And if you haven't already listened to it, do yourself, as I put it, a musical favor and get yourself new long leg. Buck, what do you got for us, man? Do yourself a favor and give yourself a musical treat is what I would say. Okay. Um, well, I usually give really thoughtful. He has incredibly thoughtful. I will. I will get on that. Yes. But I, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna. I'm because you know Nova does all the time. So I'm gonna. I want to cheat on this one. <laughs> There's no rules. Uh, There's no. No, rules. I I binged a show over the weekend. Ooh, ooh, was it Ted Lasso? No, it was. Uh, okay, that's what I'm on right now. It it, it was White Lotus. 
Okay. Uh, ooh, I haven't. That's been on my radar. Tell, I, tell, tell me and the good people what, yeah, why we so, need to see the White Lotus. Um, In the same vein as the Green Knight, it's about a whole bunch of people that are not that great of people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're kind of watching uh, Story some, of my life uh, again. <laughs> rich white people that uh, are just bad. Um, bad rich white people so wait is this set in modern times yes yes so so basically the premise is it's it's following a group of people that go stay for a week at a resort in uh hawaii okay and uh, hbo yeah it's hbo it's it's one it's like their summer limited series kind of thing so you know they do kind of the limited series in the summer uh usually pretty good um but yeah this weird? is actually really like, good it's good storytelling um i remember the trailers giving me that like lynchian twin peaks vibe it, like it gets mm, weird out of nowhere weird. well it doesn't do any supernatural things like that but it does get weird and it's i would say it's it's a dark comedy um okay yeah oh right. you know what it couldn't leave an episode without me hitting my <laughs> mic stand it's okay i we, just did i edit it out and post I know. Or I leave it in to It's make America's fun of you. favorite game. How many times <laughs> I can hit the mic stand in uh one recording. Sometimes it doesn't pick up, honestly. Like sometimes I'll be editing and post and um and I bring I it up. I hear I hear more of your lip or, or our I do it too. Our lip the smacking. Smacks. I'm sorry. Yeah, that stuff. I hate that. I, I'm gonna I leave that, that one noise. in though. Sometimes I well, noise. I try to edit it out, but I, I don't know. If if it, you know if people it like that, like work you, well if it works into the flow of like when we're going on our tangents or really having a good, you know, discussion. I'm trying not to. I'm I'm like, I consciously think that because I hate that noise in general. What bothers me more than anything, uh, T-Buck tangent, couldn't leave. I don't really feel like we had a good tangent corner today. So we'll, 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 (laughs) for everyone Um, that kept up towards, towards the end. ASMR videos of like mukbang and like lip smacking. Wait, what? Like ASMR videos that are supposed to be oh, relaxing. Those. Oh God, yeah. There are videos of just people. I don't get people those. eating and like lip smacking. I the, the disgust the hell out of me for one. It's thing. not soothing. Yeah, it's not soothing. And if you find that soothing, and that's like oh, makes my head feel. We want to interview you. I, I, I have so I, many I, questions. I, I have will, so many. We will questions. tease you. We'll kind of make fun of you. We've always been a positive show, so we're we're gonna make you feel good. And, too. Don't and, worry. And maybe maybe but, like, you should what's have your, your deal. Own. Maybe you should be placed on your own island. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can, of course, follow us at at underscore Novo underscore day. Day is D-E and at Novo Day Medium. And if you you can, of course, check out our site and see our product line at NovoDayProductions.com. There you'll see things like the audiobook of the Entropy Sessions, Post Meridium, Adulteration, probably some new shit that we have up there that I'm probably forgetting, but you're going to fucking love. So check it out. And until next time, guys, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.